0: It's another episode of Video Game Mythos already. And yet another week passes quickly by as we are now almost into the winter months of 2018. What the heck is happening? Today's episode of Video Game Mythos will feature an idea that Michael and me conjured up when we did our little collaborative episode, I believe episode 4. Hard to believe that's already been a few months ago now. But we will be covering a story rather than just a character. And the story that we will highlight today for you is Dishonored. So prepare to get the rat plague and strap your boots on because we're going to take this boat to the fishing shores of Dunwall as we deep dive the characters and the backstory of Bethesda's Dishonored anybody have any whale oil? Oh, man. My nipples are wet. As with any video game mythos episode that I've done in the past, I believe I've set the trend of giving you the ground floor, the fundamentals of whatever we're covering. That way, if you come into this blind you can still kind of see where we're going with it, understand what the story is, why it's valuable, why we've decided to cover this specific topic in the entire universe of what can be a video game myth. So, this episode is going to be no different. I'm going to go over the ground floor of Dishonored, some of its fundamental characters, and we're going to start branching off into some of the crazy myths, and there are a lot of them for Dishonored. I don't want to get to the popular ones. As with the video game mythos routine, I'm going to be covering some of the crazier ones. Some of the ones that may or may not be really plausible, but are fun to think about because they're fun. They're crazy, and you know, that's pretty much right up my alley. So let's get to it. The backstory, the ground floor of Dishonored. And since we're covering the entire Dishonored universe and the story behind it, I think I'll go back in time a little bit, even more, just to cover some of the general gists of the story. And the big gist of this story is that many, many, many thousands of years ago, um, ancient humans worshipped this thing called the outsider. It was kind of like a demon slash angel. It was kind of good and bad. But it was, it was real. It was physical, and it, it did things. It was very proactive. It would constantly be changing the course of history, selecting the individuals that it would want to influence the world. It would reveal itself to people. It would give powers to people. And no one really knows why. Why it does this. Sometimes it does good things. Sometimes it does bad things. But the outsider itself is just a superpower, a presence that's kind of always there but thousands of years ago it imposed on this ancient civilization and to worship it this ancient civilization did some remarkable things such as make a symbol that represented the outsider and the outsider would sometimes bless certain symbols with powers which are actually used in the game you can find these things called bone charms uh, like spread throughout the level and the levels are really open-ended so you kind of it's up to the player to explore to find these and the more you explore the more you're rewarded by finding additional superpowers that unlock character abilities but the bone charms are blessed or cursed some of them do good things some of them do bad things and it's really up to you how you decide you want to build your character and kind of cater to those abilities so that's kind of where the the lore comes from with the bone charms is it has the mark of the outsider they've marked these whale bones or other sorts of of animal bones with the outsider's insignia and and he has blessed or cursed that bone and that's where you get that power but the outsider has been a major presence in the population of humans on this planet for centuries for for millennia no one really knows how far back he goes but in this ancient civilization It eventually grew and prospered and became a big city known as Dunwall. Dunwall faces a large ocean, and between portions of the city is a large bay slash rivery mouth of a river. But Dunwall itself is positioned near the ocean, so it has a very robust economy that was built around fishing. There are a lot of ports, a lot of ships, there are a lot of laborers that tend to these ports, that do fishing, there are a lot of boats. So thus you can see a lot of the city's infrastructure are closest to the ocean's edge. And thus many of the levels are built near the ocean's edge or near waterways that connect to the ocean itself. So we've covered the two major topics of Dishonored, which is the outsider and the geography around Dunwall. Now let's set an example for the timeline. Currently, this is kind of like a steampunk Victorian era-esque kind of thing. They've they've kind of merged between being olden days and having some really advanced technology. And that's due to a philosopher who brought in a whole bunch of technology finding that whale oil can be used as a very good combustible. And a lot of the backbone of the infrastructure behind the entire city and and its technology, which is largely controlled by the military, is through whale oil. So the fishing ports are even more valuable because that's how they obtain their power, their technology, is by fishing, gathering whale oil. And unfortunately for us, that means we find a lot of whale corpses and piles of fleshiness just laying in large clumps around the city. And A lot of times you notice the poverty-stricken areas of Dunwall. And that's because people out there aren't doing so hot. They're actually kind of not doing so hot. And the government doesn't want much to do about it. In fact, one of the myths we're going to cover later has a lot to do with what they call the rat plague. Um, There's a lot of rats. There's a shit ton of rats out there. And they eat these piles of fleshiness that the fishermen just happen to leave around for them. Oh, and they also eat humans. There's hordes of little rats that come and eat humans, and you really gotta watch out because they're kind of a major contender. In fact, some of the bone charm abilities that you'll get will help you in dealing with the rats in some pretty creative ways. But I'm gonna lay the ground floor for two other characters, and then we're gonna get to the myths behind the story between these characters. The next character I want to give you a little bit of ground floor on is one of the major kickstarters for how this story, how the game actually begins which is empress jessamine caldwin at the beginning of dishonored you have a scene where something some shadow-like creature teleports in phases toward jessamine and murders her and then the guards react and only see you near her so the blame is immediately placed on you corvo atano and jessamine and you are the best of friends i mean that literally you two are very close in fact i'll quote jessamine to corvo corvo If there was only someone else I trusted to send so that you could remain near. When you are near, my heart is at peace. Hurry home and bring good news. What really sucks is I hate it when characters who speak deliberately and delicately are dying right at the beginning of the game. But that doesn't discredit how great this game is. Please go play it. But because at the beginning of this game there is an ultimate struggle for power at the void that Jessamine Caldwin's death has now created, and the blame is now placed on Corvo Atano, you kind of have to go underground. You have to meet some new people, play in the sewers with the rats, and begin to resurmount an uprising to bring justice back into the game. Because some evil people want to do some pretty bad things and there's no one else out there that knows better other than Corvo Attano, which is our next character. If you didn't pick up on my context clues earlier, it actually happens to stand true that Corvo Otano and Empress Jessamine Caldwin were kind of in love. They had what could be referred to as an affair, although they didn't let anyone know, even up to and beyond Jessamine's death. But that gives Corvo a significant reason to want to bring justice to the Empress's family. To add even more to that, the Empress's daughter, who should be the next up to throne, has been missing. And that's what she was referring to when she said, if only I could send someone else. She was wanting to send Corvo to rescue Emily, to find Emily. That way if something were to happen, they would. she would be safe and the Empress would be given the throne to the princess. You'll quickly notice that Corvo is appropriately the royal protector. He's kind of a badass when it comes to combat. Being able to articulately block with high dexterity and jump and shift and teleport as he gets abilities from Bone Charms. It's really, really freaking fun to play. Corvo is badass AF. The affair between Corvo and Jessamine. Doesn't go entirely unnoticed, as there are a number of characters, even throughout the context of the game, that kind of hint to it or address it directly to Corvo, but it's never really publicly addressed, even though there are some general public concerns about the closeness between Jessamine and her royal protector. Corvo was actually the one chosen by the Empress years ago to set out across the Isles to find a cure for the Rat Plague. The Rat Plague, also called the Doom of Pandesia, is a rodent-borne contagious disease responsible for the dissemination of the population of Dunwall. According to some studies by one of the in-game characters named Dr. Gilvani, the plague has an unusual migration pattern. The oldest strains of the disease exist in the city's slums and other poverty-stricken districts, which basically means the shittier the area gets, the more infestive the rats become. And you go into some pretty shitty areas and those rats get pretty feisty so high level let's talk about one of the major myths of the rat plague and this gets really deep in fact i think it gets kind of morbid because the military as we've spoken before is the large control power house of dunwall they have a lot of the technology and a lot of the influence over population control and just in general the setting and the forcing of rules and curfews that Dunwall has in place. You know, they have to maintain this huge rat plague, so there's certain levels of containment that they're willing to enforce. And honestly, it's kind of like a martial law, like at least to the level that you will be killed if you try to leave or do something you're not supposed to. And it's that level that kind of brings about this myth. So, if you see the military in this game, You'll notice all of them are kind of meatheads and they have that adrenaline aggression that they just want to kill. So kind of playing that character base of a military-esque person, not just a person but an army, and combining it with the ability to control through a meaning kind of makes you think that the rat plague isn't just a natural occurrence. That it really could have been something that some government or military power might have forced into the city in order to have a higher level of control and to give meaning or to give a reason as to why that control should be in place, why the curfews are in place, why the giant electrical fences are between borders of the city and it's a really messed up thought because not only are these people poverty stricken, starving, and only get to live on nothing but cigars and whiskey which is great by the way, it seems as though that concept is way too detrimental. Like it brings you down man, I don't even want to think about that bro. Let's just teleport and fall down on some dude and stab him in the neck. Now we've had a great time and I don't feel so bad about all these people dying. Even though I just killed another one. The other messed up theory regarding the rat plague happens to do with the fact that the outsider kind of controls things however he wants, influences things in certain ways that are kind of good and bad. He might have been the cause to the rat plague. He might have introduced that so that way he has a higher level of control because more people are scrambling, trying to live their day-to-day lives instead of trying to influence power. It really creates this big void where all these politicians and all these large power characters are really struggling for every ounce of control they can get. This is a very dystopian era where everybody really has a bad time, everyone has a bad life, and it largely is probably due to the outsider. So he actually chooses Corvo Attano as his chosen one. And you often see visions of him where he tells you about things and he trains you and you go off in these little instances where you learn how to crouch and jump and that sort of thing. But then, all of a sudden, something happens that makes you realize that it actually could have been the outsider that assassinated Empress Caldwin. And that is the fact that he teleports. He has this ability where he phase shifts from one place to another, and immediately, you're subjected to seeing something happen at the beginning of the game where your lover dies, the Empress dies, and it was caused from some teleporting, dagger-wielding person that you've never seen before, But then in subsequent scenes, you see the Outsider teleport and use almost the exact same effect and the exact same technique that he used to murder her. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. And the reason that I say bold statements like that against the Outsider brings me to another really messed up theory. Is why does the Outsider do all of this? Is he some sort of god and just manipulates things for his entertainment? Yes, yes, that's actually the exact answer, or at least that's the theory, because there really is no other reason. There's no rhyme or reason to why these unknown elements are all happening at the same time. And coincidentally, he picks Corvo, who happens to have an unpredictable nature because he's controlled by a human being, the you, the the player. And that in itself is entertaining to the outsider. So he tries to create this environment for Corvo that makes it more difficult for him to be predictable, more difficult for him to lead his life in a normal way. But yeah, I'm pretty sure all of those theories kind of intermingle and possibly bits of one are true and bits of another are true. Whereas the theory itself isn't all of what it's made up to be. Just know, at the end of the day, Corvo is the sole creator of decisions. And decisions that you make throughout the game largely influence how the game unfolds. Yeah, the levels themselves are large and open world, and you would think that there is only a static and finite way to progress from one point to another, but the sequence of choices that leads Corvo to choose between certain elements, how he unfolds the missions one at a time, really have an influence on the impressions that he leaves on the world. And so it leaves us to bear that the outsider is actually on the inside. He isn't physically in this world. He is a part of us. He is the spectator, the human presence that just toys with a virtual world to find entertainment any way he can. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Video Game Mythos. It was a pleasure to bring you this content provided to you by 13 Palm Trees. Once again, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Video Game Mythos and support our parent company, 13 Palm Trees. Actually, earlier today, I ordered some 13 Palm Trees merchandise. That's right. You can buy merchandise on our website at 13palmtrees.com. Get one of those shirts or badass tote bags. If, you, if I see you sporting one of those, I'm definitely giving you the highest five you've ever received. I'll even go grab a ladder to do it. If you're in your car on your way to work and listening to this podcast, keep your eyes on the road. We want you to be safe and have a great day because Video Game Mythos cares about you and your contributions to this podcast, which, by the way, reminds me, make sure you give us some ideas send some my way. I might have ideas booked throughout the end of the year, but that doesn't mean that I might not substitute them for a better one. So, make sure you send me your shit. Thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos.